Today I'm going to revisit something I covered back in the fall. A tiny parish in the United Kingdom has been targeted multiple times by the official papal biographer, who has pushed them around publicly and honestly for no good reason. Their only crime is celebrating the traditional liturgy. This is worth going into because it shows how the modernist operates and what his modus operandi is. So as I go over this today, please pray for Austin Ivray. What we'll go over now are all signs of someone who has gone seriously off track in the church. So let's revisit the case of Ledbury Parish in the United Kingdom. But as I am wanted to do, let's start with some words of wisdom from Francis, the great dialoguer, because this will, as is often the case, put an interesting frame on things. On Christmas Day, he had these wonderful words of wisdom, a truly new and innovative take on the incarnation of our blessed Lord. At his Christmas Mass, Francis said, quote, the word became flesh in order to dialogue with us. God does not desire to carry on a monologue, but a dialogue. By the coming of Jesus, the person of the word made flesh into our world, God showed us the way of encounter and dialogue. End quote. Ah, yes, encounter and dialogue. I don't know about you, but I distinctly recall our Lord telling the apostles to go forth and encounter sinners, dialoguing with them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, going forth and listening to all their ideas. I'm sure that's in the Bible somewhere, right? No? Yeah, you'd be right. That line is just more nonsense from the great dialoguer, the one who never saw a heresy or outside theology he disliked. He only really dislikes traditional Catholicism, and as such, anything he says should be taken with an ounce of suspicion. And why? Well, let's take a look at the story that really illustrates what the spirit of Francis and his reign of hypermodernism is and what it's been wrought onto the church. The fruits of Francis's rule have been distrust, and there is no better example of that than in the work of Austin Ivory, the former St. Gallen press secretary for members of that elite club of cardinals who sought to put Francis on the throne of Peter so they could reinvent the church into the image of the spirit of Vatican II. And boy, have they nearly succeeded in that completely. Austin Ivory, as you might remember, was using his not insignificant influence as papal biographer and noted Catholic journalist to bring attention to a tiny parish in England in a town called Ledbury, a diocesan parish that had both a traditional Latin mass as well as the Novus Ordo Missae. Ivory wrote a propaganda piece that utterly misrepresented some internal parish tensions in that tiny place. And he got no pushback at all until I made a video about it. And then it was then the only pushback he got was here. And that parish is a tiny place. He doesn't even attend mass himself, although apparently he lives near it and could and by the logic of the Novus Ordo should attend mass there. And he went after that parish in the name of the spirit of Paca Papa Francis. He did this before Roach's clarification of Traditionis Custodis was issued, and he did it to put pressure on the bishop and on the parish to conform to the spirit of Francis by suppressing their Latin mass. Men like Ivray are bullies, and few would dispute that. That story came about in the fall, probably before All Saints, if I remember correctly. Ivray, who was never one to leave a job left unfinished, has revisited that story because the parish priest dared to publish his mass times in his parish bulletin, in a violation of Archbishop Roach's answer to a dubia that never actually existed. He posted this nonsense on Twitter, where Ivray said, quote, Day after Rome makes clear Tridentine Mass should not be offered on a parish schedule as an alternative to the Reformed Universal Mass, the parish priest of Ledbury 
also at Latin Mass UK Chaplain, defiantly advertises extra Tridentine liturgies. Hashtag Traditionis Custodis. <laughs> End quote. Now, what is the purpose of this? Why would Ivory do something like this? It's pretty straightforward. His hatred of the traditional liturgy and the traditional faith. There is no other reason than that to do this. He's trying to pressure the bishop into enforcing the unjust edict of Traditionis Custodis and the dubia response. What most people don't understand is that Mr. Ivray has a lot of influence in the church. And I do mean a lot of influence. Miss Julia Maloney in her new book on the St. Gallen Group makes this abundantly clear. In her recent book, she makes it a point to let the reader know that Austin Ivory was the press secretary for Cardinal Murphy O'Connor, the English prelate who was a member of the St. Gallen Club, and that Mr. Ivory was associated with Ted McCarrick, among others, as a consequence. The St. Gallen Group was known to twist the rules governing the conclave. In the first edition of his book, The Great Reformer, Ivory admits that the St. Gallen Group asked Bergoglio if he would be their candidate for the papacy ahead of the conclave, which is, by the way, a violation of the rules of the conclave. Later, Ivory would change the story and claim that he worded it poorly, and that the St. Gallen Group and Cardinal Murphy O'Connor never went to then-Cardinal Bergoglio ahead of the conclave. But he contradicts himself elsewhere on that score, all of which goes to show that we're not dealing with an honest actor here. Far from it, in fact. We're dealing with someone who uses their position of authority to gauge in what Francis recently called clericalism, which is kind of weird coming from someone who isn't a cleric. But, you know, such is life. When Francis said to an audience early in December, as you'll recall, that we should not use our positions of authority to crush others. Ivray should take a lesson from Francis on that one. Now, it's worth noting that Mr. Ivray blocked me on Twitter long ago, possibly because I call him a professional Francis fanfiction writer. <laughs> yeah, I've got no regrets about that. I only tell you that for the need to be transparent about these things. But let's talk about Mr. Ivray here for a second, because he is quite the character. Just before Christmas, Mr. Ivray decided to invoke the name of the Pac-Man Mama Demon and claim that it was Our Lady. Here he said, quote, the visitation, as beautifully depicted on the eve of the Amazon Synod in Rome, at a prayer service in the Vatican Gardens, where the Pope was present. End quote. Ah yes, using pagan idols to try to pass something off as images of Our Lady. That really reveals more about him than it does about those of us who object to the entire pack of Mama debacle. And here's the striking thing about this. For Ivory, literally nothing the modernists do is wrong. Literally nothing. That was the Pacamama debacle was the most egregious example of their malfeasance, and it wasn't doesn't bother him. How do I know none of this bothers him? Because he defended modernism and admitted to being a modernist back in 2017. On Twitter, he supported the work of some who went after the Catholic scholars who, in 2017, issued what was called the Correctio Filialis, or Filial Correction, of Pope Francis. In so going after them and supporting those who went after the scholars, Ivory is admitting here that Francis and he himself are both modernists. Fascinating, given that Pius X formally defined modernism as a heresy, and if Ivory knows he holds to a formally defined heresy, that means he is a formal heretic and no longer in the church. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. If you don't know what the filial correction is, in 2017, a group of scholars issued a document correcting Francis on the errors of his alleged pontificate up to that point. It was in the post-Amoris Laetitia era, and some of the point of correction involved that document. It was the first real pushback Francis received from anyone with an audience in the church at that time. As one article from 2017 published by Catholic News Agency said of it, quote, 
The filial correction represents the concerns of some among the Catholic faithful at what are being perceived more broadly speaking as the Pope's intended teachings, but which may not accurately represent the Pope's actual teachings, Dr. Jacob Wood, a theology professor at the Franciscan University of Steubenville, told CNA. The letter is the manifestation of the opinion and concerns of those theologians who have signed it, Wood explained. It is not an authoritative statement of the meaning of the documents that it discusses, he added. More than 60 Catholic clergy and scholars originally sent a letter to Pope Francis on August 11th as a filial correction for heretical positions that the Pope has effectively upheld, end quote. Return to tradition didn't exist at that time, or I'd have had a recording of the correction for you to hear. Regardless, Ivory admits that he is a modernist and worked in close association with the leading luminaries of the St. Gallen group. If there is a new version of the St. Gallen group in the works to ensure that Francis's evil work continues after him, and I'm betting there is, Ivory would be part of it. He would know who the younger cardinals are who are intent on keeping Francis's mission alive after he retires or goes on to his particular judgment. Don't think we haven't noticed these things, Mr. Ivray. Many of us are actually paying attention. Now, Pope St. Pius X warned the world against the era of modernism, which he said would annihilate all religion. After 60 years of open rule under the modernists, they've proven Pius X effectively right. Here's what St. Pius X had to say about this facet of modernism in his encyclical, Pascendi Dominici Gregis. Quote, Moreover, they lay the axe not to the branches and shoots, but to the very root, that is, to the faith and its deepest fires. And having struck at this root of immortality, they proceed to disseminate venom through the whole tree, so that there is no part of the Catholic truth from which they hold their hand, and none that they do not strive to corrupt. Certainly, this suffices to show superabundantly by how many roads modernism leads to the annihilation of all religion. The first step in this direction was taken by Protestantism. The second step is ma made by modernism. The next will plunge headlong into atheism. And now, can anybody who takes a survey of the whole system be surprised that we should define it as the synthesis of all heresies? We're one to attempt the task of collecting together all the errors that have been broached against the faith and to concentrate the sap and substance of them all into one, he could no better succeed than the modernists have done. End quote. And Ivory has allied himself with this, and is using his place of authority in the church to go after a tiny Latin mass community for no apparent reason other than his own antipathy towards the faith. It's truly remarkable. Now, if you're wondering why I'm spending time on this, ask yourself this question. Why has the official papal biographer published multiple pieces going after a tiny parish for their traditional mass offerings? Why is he worrying himself with this instead of Oh, I don't know, spending time trying to convince people of the merits of Traditionis Custodis and Amoris Laetitia and Francis's weird alliances with some of the most evil figures in the world today. Why is he going after the traditional faith? And why is he admitting to holding to a condemned heresy? Those are all strange things for a papal biographer to be doing, and so I ask in charity, Mr. Ivere, why do you support this? Why not just leave that parish alone? I have to ask the question because at the end of the day, it looks like Mr. Ivory detests the traditional faith and is only interested in helping co-opt the church for some other purpose. Am I off base on this? Let me know your thoughts on this in the comments, please. And like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.